Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. This week we're doing something a little different. We thought we'd do a little kind of hang out and talk about the books we've read recently, share some of our thoughts on them, and uh, just kind of just kind of hang out, then um, do some little capsule commentary. So what do you bought recently that you really uh, wanted to talk about? Yeah, so there's a few things that I bought. Some of them I finished reading. Some of them I'm halfway through reading, but I'm excited to talk about them. Or, and so one of them is um, I actually belong to a um, Patreon of this artist from Pittsburgh. His name is Nate McDonough. And he's super prolific. He He's really, what I really love his comics for is he actually writes, He's a, he sells comics online. And uh, he basically does, diaries about his experience of going through like dollar bins <laughs> and it's super funny it's super amazing that's not what i have here because this is not a new thing so recently he did this uh bootleg amazing spider-man comic it's amazing spider-man 1026 that he sent me actually if you're part of his patreon it's nate mcdonough he'll send you his comics when they come out every few every month or every couple of months where he when he puts a collection so this is like basically like uh he just did this it's super funny super original spider-man essentially most of the comic is some parts of it is aunt may on the line with walgreens and cvs trying to get her medicine medicine filled up by the pharmacy and then you have uh j jonah jameson walking into the you know, to the offices and, you know, worrying about the news and then just like a venom going crazy and killing people. So open it up and show us what it looks like inside. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of cool. It's cool. He actually sent two copies to all the patrons, um, but you can buy it off his website. And so here's this and then... Um, Here's uh, Aunt May calling Walgreens Pharmacy. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. And Venom going crazy there. And the Venom going crazy, violent, and killing someone. And then uh, spoil. I don't want. Oh, there's a spoiler. Um, and then there's uh, Peter in the trash bag. <laughs> and then we have like a comic book nerd talking about collecting this comic and stuff oh nice yeah. those look like great packages dude yeah I yeah you ever mentioned that to me before yeah Ooh, awesome. well, i'm gonna go with uh something similar that everyone knows about which is oh i'm gonna just turn off my video and my background here sorry yeah i think the background is taken away from the comic choose virtual background dad to see my clutter oprah oh nice so i uh, yeah I, I have a subscription to copra it's got the michelle fife signature there mm -hmm. i don't know if you've read copra 45 but it's just as awesome as every other issue of copra i mean look at that center spread wow. and um i've kind of like i know there's plot in this and i think it's pretty awesome you know it just flows really well and uh but i kind of given up on figuring out what's happening and just just love like mm -hmm. first of all the coloring is just amazing right and 
his style has gotten so much more like beautiful in its own strange ways that I just like I can't resist it. I just think it's the best comic. Mm-hmm. And he says in the back he's doing something that's like a pastiche of Justice League Detroit to see how outrageous he can make the characters that are similar to Justice League Detroit. Uh, which is, you know, just really fun. Oh, wow. That looks great. So just another great issue of Cobra. This is Cobra 45. It's like the May issue, so I'm a little behind, I think. But, you know, who knows when Michelle actually puts them out. But, I think um, I have always a treat. 43, but yeah, that's a great pick. It's awesome. I love the 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 way they feel, right? It's like the paper is so the high quality. Yeah, the paper's so nice. You can see on the back too, it's got that kind of like it's on this kind of rib paper or something. Mm-hmm. I like yeah, how nice wow. the printing is too. Like the the closer you look at it, like the more there is there. Beautiful stuff. I like the coloring and everything. I always love how the characters are just a little derivative. Like there's our Orion character, but he's his own take on Orion. Oh right, yeah. And there's stuff that happens in this issue to him that you wouldn't want to see happen to your big heroes. So Pifei's still growing, going strong. That's cool. I got to get it. And you just got me a. So is that's not the latest. So he does it sure. quarterly, right? It's not a. I don't. I'm not. I buy it from this local comic book store that sometimes actually buys it. So I don't have everything. I think it is, but I if. But I have my subscription, so I think this is the latest issue. But do you have all of them from the beginning? No, I've I, I've kind of gone back and forth on it. Mm-hmm. So no, I haven't I haven't been buying I haven't bought every issue, but I've got a lot. Oh, it looks God. like this is the latest he is showing forty five, and he's selling it. Oh, got it. Down. Cool. Yeah. Um. Do you? How many have you read? Probably most of them, knowing yeah. I haven't read all of it. Uh, but I have the original trade paperbacks from uh, um, from Bourbon Street Comics when they put it out, and I have a lot of their issues, probably like from like twelve to like forty three or something. Yeah, he's formerly just putting it out himself now. Looks like that's cool. Yeah, that's I hope he makes places. money out of it. It's because it's a real good. He puts in a lot of work. Yeah. So what else did you get recently, a read recently? So I went to a dollar store, a dollar bin sale. It's actually a 50 cent bin. I wish I would have gotten more. I just, there's a local comic book store called uh, Comics Conspiracy around where, I li- where my mom lives, actually. I didn't have time to buy a lot, but I bought a few issues. Uh, I didn't read all of them, but here's some of them that I have read. It's one is Peep Show by Joe Matt. You know, rest in peace. He just recently. R.I.P. Joe Matt. And uh, I mean, the, the the comic, some of the stuff in this comic do not hold up. Um, some of the you know cultural things. However, mm-hmm. it's a pretty funny comic in the vein of, I would say, like, um, kind of close to hate, I would say, close to hate. Um, and you, obviously, you're familiar with it, but um but for folks that aren't and joe matt is an artist that from canada and so he actually has other comic book friends who are featured this is like a basically an autobio comic uh in the vein of like i said hate or or even like um what ed brubaker used to do um 
and there's one other guy that I'm missing on. Um, anyways, uh, but he's it's so good. cruel it's, to himself. He's like such. He just rips himself so and his strongly. Girlfriend. His girl. He's very cruel to his girlfriend actually in in this comic. The first oh. issue. Um, they just keep on getting fights and stuff, and uh, but it's fun. Some of it is really funny. In this story, he, um, he's dating this woman. I mean, he's got a live-in girlfriend, and then he sees this girl in the neighborhood that he's really attracted to, and just you know, it happens that his girlfriend becomes friends with that person, and craziness ensues. But at the end, he realizes that why he loves his girlfriend. So that's good. Got a nice ending then. Yeah, it's got a good nice ending. It's a good comic. Royce, yeah. Were you a fan of his? Have you been a fan of his before? Or is this like, you know, a relatively new issues. discovery? Uh sorry to interrupt you. I, I mean that. Um I have had issues. I have other peep show issues that I've never read before. I just got this and I read it just because uh, you know, I wanted to try it out. And uh, you know, I know he recently passed away, so yeah. So this morning, I'll take the next one. This morning, I was watching Cartoonist K Fabe. So maybe mm -hmm. they're talking to Don Simpson. So maybe pull out the X amount of comics, aka the 1963 annual. Have you read this? No, I have not. No. I think we talked about this like informally before, right? This is one of the craziest things that I've ever read. Mm -hmm. It's just so strange. Like, it's not even really a storyline as much as it's just like page after page of characters talking to each other about continuity problems and stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just just bizarre. Uh, and, you know, there's pastiches of Spider-Man and Batman and there's apes and mm -hmm. gorillas in, in uh, cowboy hats and you know, look at this stuff. It's just like packed with mm -hmm. it's just strangeness and full of words and full of inside jokes. Like this guy here with all the hair, that's like Alan Moore. So he's yeah. got all these joke, like in jokes about Alan Moore. It just goes on and on and on. I've never read anything more exhausting than this comic. Didn't the comic start? I looked up one page. Didn't this the comic starts like F. Al? Or something like that yeah yeah it starts with them like why didn't you ever finish 1963 oh that's funny and then yeah the splash page oh, that fuck, one, al. Yeah, this, fuck al yeah because <laughs> the backstory is in the early days of image comics alan moore got together with some of his uh favorite creators including chester brown who's a friend of joe matt mm-hmm and Steve Bissett and a bunch of other people that create this comic 1963. It was a satire of how comics used to be 30 years before the rise of image comics. Wow, that's now 60 years ago. Oh my God. Um, the book sold like crazy because of the early days of image when everything sold like mad. And they promised to do a sequel to the book. But of course, the financial, the, the whole world of comics finance collapsed. Alan Moore went a little wacky and uh, the promised 1963 sequel annual, which was going to be written by Moore and then drawn by the all the image guys, never appeared. And so Don Simpson, 
who was shut out from the original 1963, decided to do his own version of it. Mm. And uh, I'm glad I bought it. Picked this up at the Fanographics bookstore, actually. It's Fanographics Underground. Uh, it's got a long piece, like a really long piece in the back by Don Simpson about like his relationship to these books. But oh my God, like it just made my brain hurt reading this. Oh, really? Wow. I'm scared it's just to like it so up. much. It's just like so much in joke and so much like weirdness. It's like unlike any other, it reads like like unlike any other story I've ever read. It's just Did you so enjoy odd. it? Did you enjoy it or do you think it was like an educational experience? I think I'm I'm not I'm not sure I enjoyed it. I'm not sure I learned. I just feel like I scratched an itch I had mm. to kind of see how this all played out. I, know, I think he's an interesting creator. I, I, I've only watched part of the interview. Did you watch the whole interview? No, yeah, I or... watched parts of it in the beginning and I just kind of abandoned it today. Yeah, I'm curious what he, where he kind of lands on this himself. But yeah, it, it it's it's a little strange. I keep coming back to that. I don't think it was fun. Oh, really? Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Like our first, our first few comics were actually fun, like legitimately really fun. Mm -hmm. That we were talking. This is not that is fun. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Um. Yeah. That's, so it's not a sequel then. So it's he didn't really try to make his own annual because my assumption is that he used his own character that he has the rights for, but he can't use the other characters, right? Well, there's a lot of jokes in here about alternate universe universe versions of characters and multiple dimension versions of characters and golden age versions of characters, alternate publisher versions of characters and all this stuff. But uh, and like he's got this whole burning joke in the beginning of the book about silhouettes of characters representing the characters. But because there's no identifiable information, you can't really say they are. And then there's a whole uh, other question about whether all this stuff is now out of copyright because it appeared 30 years ago and has never been reused since. So it's all in this kind of weird nether. Uh, so interesting, interesting about thing about that is um, the cartoonist Kayfabe, uh, there is a Facebook group. And off of that, a bunch of cartoonists got together and one of them... Uh, I think licensed Stephen Bissett's version characters, the ones that he's oh. got licensed, and they created a uh, an annual or some type of a comic book of 1963. Or they're in the process; maybe it got scrapped or something, but they're in the process of creating a 1963 comic based on Stephen Bissett's licensed rights. Oh, interesting! You're so much more plugged into this stuff than I am. Oh, I, I don't. I don't know if it's a. Maybe I should be using that information on inventing stuff as opposed to like knowing. <laughs> uh, but so that was the interest. So I wonder if that was the impetus for Don Simpson to put together this comic, so that he can get his version out before that one comes out. Well, he had been doing a web comic for a number of years, mm -hmm. and there's a couple short excerpts from it. And uh, there's one excerpt from it, the weekly piece num number 164 so he did it for well, quite a while okay okay um so i think this is just his his approach to comics these days mm -hmm. Mm 
he just does this these meta comics which i guess is not that different from what he was doing in Meta megaton man and stuff yeah i'm not uh, I, i'd be curious to see what other people do on it though I think 1963 is the only, not this particular book, but the original one is probably the only thing I've read for. I have some Megaton Man comics with like Savage Dragon and stuff, but those are the only ones I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what's next on your list? Next one is uh, American Splendor. So in the same 50 cent bin, uh, I found um, a couple of issues. It's a three minute, Three issue miniseries. I only got the first two about, uh, I think this is a Harvey Picard's friend who went to Vietnam. He's an African American and his name is Robert McNeil. And essentially, it's uh, basically his experience when he was 17, he was drafted and he went to Vietnam for war. And it just shows his, you know, 17, 18, and 19, him when he was, I think it was 1967 through 70 his experience, uh, Robert's experience there. And it's, it's amazing. I I don't want to say enjoyed it, but I really enjoyed this book in terms of the storytelling, the way it was done. It was, and um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not too familiar with Harvey Picard. I've, I've read his, um, there was this trade paper I came out that when his movie came out, which is what I saw first. And, but what I love about his writing is that He's very verbose, but it's so like easy to read. It's like delicious to read. Like he goes by really fast. It's not like it's not like boring reading. Maybe it's just maybe it's simple words or what he does, but he just does a great job of storytelling. And the art's done by um by David Collier. Collier. And he's great. It reminds me of like Joe Sacco style, uh, even Art Spiegelman type of stock uh art which is really fun. Um, and maybe even, I would say a little bit inspired by. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. Inspired by, uh, I'm sorry. Who's the mad, the guy who came out with mad. Harvey Kurtzman. Harvey Kurtzman war type of stories. Yeah. I see that. I see that. Like the, the, the artwork is just right. And that's like simple enough yeah where this it's telling the story but it's not distracting yeah yeah exactly i really liked it it's really really enjoyable. i mean i'm gonna buy the third issue but yeah the first issue is just him going to war and um i think one of the crazy things is he does talk about the african-american experience in vietnam war versus the you know the white experience um in that like uh, this was also during Black Panther, you know, and like civil rights, you know, in the set in the sixties, and mm -hmm. so like there was some type of like some things happening, right? But then what's what's so interesting about the human level is like there's this there's this one story he mentioned in the second issue where uh, one of his you know, one of the other soldiers, there's an African-American soldier fighting with a white one because there was a, the white guy had used a racial slur. Mm -hmm. And then they, as they're going to war, the white one accidentally gets, he walks over a mine and he's dying in the black person's hand, you know, in African-American. And like, there's just this, there's a bond between them that like transcends any of that stuff. And like the guy's crying. He was about to kick his ass. He's all like, 
you know, we're going to go, like, they were about to go out and, like, fight the enemy or, you know, not the enemy, you know, the Viet Cong or the enemy. And he's like, you know, when we come back, I'm going to beat the shit out of you and kill you for saying that. And then while he's in his hands, he's crying. He's like, I can't believe I'm losing uh-huh. my, you know, it's just crazy how this war is like, you know. Yeah. It's all real life. Yeah. But it's um, it's really powerful, Amir. Yeah, it's a it's a great, great story, great human story. And then the second one he talks about, the second one is a little bit funnier. Is a little bit, it's actually funny. There are fr- funny aspects to it, you know. And like, you know, he talks about going to prostitutes and stuff. And I don't know if it's funny. It's kind of sad, but it's also like, he's all like, yeah, you can't fall in love. And like, he fell in love with this girl and then he came home with her and she's all like, she had pictures of all the other guys she'd been with, you know? Oh, yeah. He's all like, well, I'm glad like I didn't ask her to marry me. And then she showed me those. So, but, um, but yeah. Sounds really interesting and different for Picard too. Yeah. Because it's not his autobio stuff. Right, right. And it's kind of incredible. You think about, you know, the way we live, we're not in the war torn place. And you think about these soldiers, like him going seven days of just being in a hospital and not doing anything is like vacation. Mm hmm. Like he's injured, he's like, and then they're they're hoping to get injured so they don't, you know, like maybe not too serious, not lose a limb, but like injury in the hospital, so you might be able to get sent back. Oh wow! And there's a part where he's like, he asked for a psychiatrist so that like if a psychiatrist he's not mentally fit, he would send them home, and then it just shows him like another panel. Is like, damn it, he said that I was mentally fit to stay in the war, you know? Oh wow. That's so powerful. Yeah, it's a really, really worth it. I'm definitely thinking of buying the third issue. Yeah, and more Picard in general, too? More Picard, yeah. I, I, I think I need to read that trade paperback again. Uh, that movie, American Splendor, I highly recommend it if nobody has seen it. Um, definitely a great movie. We should do an episode about Harvey Picard at some point. That would be awesome. Yeah, I'd love that, yeah. I just really enjoy his work. Uh, have you gotten New York Ninja by Charles Foreman? I love it. Yeah, World? Yeah. yeah, this is so fun. It's just like, I realized it's from like late last year. I just picked this up over the weekend, last weekend. Uh, this is just the most awesomely fun book. Mm-hmm. Like, like perfect 80s B-movie crime drama kind of thing drawn by charles forsman in that perfect charles forsman flat style like in um oh my god and now i'm spacing on what else he worked on end of the effing world yes of course yeah, everyone's favorite netflix show revenger i am not okay with this celebrated Ooh. summer uh add new york ninja to it because it is just super look at that great page too that's like such yeah. a perfect splash page yeah and um there's a great backstory to this which i'm not going to ruin because i think it's just a such a cool backstory you can buy nunchucks off the back cover too by <laughs> <Supply> company <laughs> i just i just thought this was such a fun package it's great 
about the Portland Floating World and Vinegar Syndrome. So it's available on the Vinegar Syndrome website if you're a fan of 80s or ninjas or bad 80s films or Charles Forsman. So worth it. I want to say there's a second one coming out. If it is, I need to buy it. I I believe because actually at the end it says to be continued question mark. Mm-hmm. Should be continued. Oh, cool. Nice. The way he draws silhouettes. Look at those silhouettes. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Very it's just cool. such a dramatic way of composing a scene. Mm-hmm. Just love the man's work. Let's do pick up. Okay, the other thing I picked up, I actually had copies of this. I have a hardcover copy of this and I have these issues, but I can't not pick it up, even if I don't read it. And it's Paradox um, by um, Brendan McCarthy on art and um, Peter Milligan on story. And it's crazy. I don't even understand most of the stuff that's going on. But basically, Paradox... Uh, are you familiar with Paradox? Yeah, but talk about it a little bit. You probably know more about it than I do. I, I just read the first story of Paradox. And he's this like, I don't know what's, he's like this super weird superhero from the mind of Peter Milligan. He has to battle like the embodiment of like sexual perversion and uh I think Mayor Clint Eastwood and answering to Ronald Reagan, you know, it's just crazy stuff. And I don't know. All I would say is like, if you could pick this up for 50 cents, you should do it because the art is amazingly beautiful. Look at the color too. It's just like so bold and bright and ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That's a great description of this comic and um it's got like this candy corn coloring to it yeah everything's just like so neon and bright i mean we were just talking about that book that's influenced by the 80s this book is literally from the 80s and it's Mm -hmm. got that 80s kind of new wave video kind of feel to it Mm -hmm. where everything is just like very spiky and bright and bold and outrageous Felt like the world was about to change. You know, Pacific Comics published some of this work and then Eclipse Comics published some of this work also before Vortex picked it up. You got the Vortex issue, right? Yeah, this is the Vortex issue. They yeah. did like two or three issues of Strange Days, even before the movie Strange Days, which is, you know, ancient history now. Is that movie related to this? It's no. not, is it? No, it's just, no. Yeah, they stole the name. Warren Ratons. This looks like an amazing package. I've never never read any of the uh, Vortex issues. Yeah, so it has the Roaring Ratons, which I don't, I just couldn't understand. It's written in English. I just couldn't understand. It. And then there's like <laughs> Merc and the Mystic. With the, blue, with the blue face and rainbow hair. Yeah. Merc and the, uh, that's, okay. I didn't think that was his hair. I don't, I just would, I just got it for the art. I would just get. I have to, I have to dig in. I tried reading it to understand. I'm gonna read it again to understand it. I can never understand that stuff. Uh, I have a problem with a lot of Milligan stuff. Like I just can't understand yeah. it. Yeah, the closest thing is maybe anything he does with um, Mike Allred. Allred kind of massages yeah. 
go to like something. I was gonna say X Force is the exception. Yeah. Well, yeah. and and like uh, Shade the Changing Man, I think is. I I get a lot of I like really like his Shade the Changing Man too. Yeah, that one has a couple issues of McCarthy drawing it. He does a lot of covers. I have a lot of those issues, although I haven't read. I got them for the art because the Chris Boccolo, that that particular Shade mm-hmm. the Changing Man. Um, but I got it for like there's a Jamie Hewlett issue. I think he drew the cover, and then there's a Brendan. Well, you're McCarthy. a big Hewlett fan, right? Yeah, I'm a big Hewlett fan. Yeah, yeah, fan. Um, but yeah, and Peter Milliken is a big influence on Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. All right, what do you got? Let me. I want to hear. Oh my! Right, I got to. Okay. I got to share the book I had the background for. Jeremy Ooh. Brood. That's a good one. Yeah, are you a Corbin fan at all? Uh, I want to hear you present this, and then I want to tell you my love-hate relationship. Not hate, but love. Look at that hardcore back cover. Oh. Yeah. And I, I can't show any interior pages because there's a lot of boobs and stuff in here, and I don't want to get banned from YouTube. But um, this is a just a re- actually really well-done adult sci-fi story. Like you might have found in heavy metal in the eighties or nineties, from eighty three, I think, eighty two, mm-hmm. and it's about this uh, these two pilots of a spaceship who land on a planet called Eden. Discover Eden is actually not an Eden, but is led by this uh, evil, uh, evil church that wants to sacrifice virgins in order to uh, preserve their society, and um, Jeremy Brood kind of overthrows the society. But tragedy happens, uh, particularly includes including the woman he's with. And the story just takes these really unexpected turns. And his art is, as always, is just like outrageous. Look at these characters and how well they're drawn and the airbrushing style. This is all done by hand, of course. No digital retouching in 1982. Wow. And, um, you know, they, these characters are all so singular and weird. And I just it just took me to way to another place, like... Uh, I I legitimately just like loved it for the same reason I think you love the Peter Milligan book you were just talking about, where it's like just so different the colors the approach the style, it like it's perfect for the the story that kind of literally takes you to another world because it feels mm. like something from another world, and something that like I would love to see like a animated version of some of this work. So I've always been a little bit of a Corbin fan, but I picked this one up uh at a shop in uh, grass valley california oh. which um the famous bug plant comic artist in grass valley and he co-owns oh. a book co-owns a bookstore where he sells sells a bunch of stuff there and so i wow. bought the i bought the new york ninja book there and i bought this this cost 25 so a bit on the high side but um totally worth it that's awesome yeah, i love bud plant Bud plant's got some really good stuff so what's your what's your Corbin story? Uh, yeah, let's talk about Corbin because I think for me, this is gonna be sacrilege, but it's hard for me to get into Corbin's stories. Actually, no, it's hard for me to get into his art, but I know it's amazing. I love his coloring art, like the stuff mm-hmm. that you showed me. Like if it's like I love all of his art, like uh, it's beautiful. It's I don't know I wouldn't say it's beautiful but it's magnificent it's a work of art it's and when I was in Angoulême 
they um they had a they had a museum in Angoulême featuring all of his artwork, comic artwork. I actually have some oh. pictures that I took from a lot of them. Um, like his mainstream stuff from American mainstream, I mean, to like, you know, the stuff that's popular in France that we've never seen. And it's incredible in person, like all the paintings and the all that stuff. And they he's an amazing artist. But I just cannot and I have a lot of his comics because I'm almost fascinated. I'm I'm weirdly attracted to his work, but I can't get into his work. It's so weird. I don't know how to describe it. It's like actually Milligan is a lot like that too. Brendan McCarthy is like that too. Like whenever he has something, I'm gonna buy it, but then I can't read it multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh like I read Mutant World for Corbin and it's beautiful. I love it. It's on my bookshelf. I'm grateful they put it out for a affordable price, but I'm never going to touch it again because unless it's just to ad- admire the art, you know, it's, um, I don't know, it's just, it makes me feel icky whenever, and it's not his fault. It's nothing creep. I mean, you know, there's a lot of boobs and penises and asses everywhere, but it's not necessarily any different than any other adult comic, right? So I don't know. What it's are just your some, There's something kind of just, like just weird about his work like alien about his work it just feels it just feels very strange i but i've never been a huge fan of his is kind of why i'm so excited to read this because this book just clicked for me mm-hmm. i think it's because it like fits this like classic formula it's almost like the star trek crew beaming down but it's done in a different way where it just feels more adult mm-hmm. and very kind of um relationship driven i think that's kind of the the one of the things that drives the comic for me is like the relationship between the these two main characters mm-hmm. is like really interesting and like done in a way that actually is like not exploitative even though you know they're both naked when we first meet them but more like uh like logical in the context of the story mm-hmm. and the way they relate to each other is is um i think pretty powerful and then the the way the story plays out, I just found myself dragged into it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, a lot of his other stuff, like Den and Mutant World, where like you don't have that grounding, it just feels like it's hard to to get into it, really. Yeah, that's why a lot of people like you know our friend Zach Davis. He loves the Poe books the best because they're grounded in Edgar Allan Poe, and so you know reading Corbin's take on the Fall of House of Usher. And you've got something, it, it's truly grounded in something. Mm-hmm. That's actually, you're right. So I didn't mention this. I love his work with Mike Mignola on Hellboy. Mm-hmm. He's got two Hellboys. One of them is a wrestling comic, basically. And it's so good. It's so much fun. I could. And then there's another one where um, I think it's like the something man, the crooked man. Oh, yeah. They're, they're both out of print, unfortunately. But if you can get a hold, if anybody can get a hold of them, they're really fun to read. Mike Mignola is a really good, he's a very underrated writer. And then when he teams up with Corbin and writes stuff for him, it's amazing. I love it. And then he's done some mainstream, like American, like he's done the Hulk, he's done Luke Cage, which I don't like. Um, yeah, but I, I do like, like either. the Hulk yeah. one is pretty good. Uh, and then I think he's done a, swamp thing which is pretty good too oh yeah yeah Um, and i forget what else he's done yeah 
there's the creepy magazine anthologies with him too and he did great right. work for them mm -hmm. yeah well worth that really good that's a really good get though i i'm I'm very envious i'd love to go to a bud plant store one day yeah it wasn't the most thrilling store but i, I picked up some decent stuff there mm -hmm. uh, i got a couple more things here i picked up there what else you got let's see the this old zine called oh. arc from the 90s it's got a ted mckeever interview actually bought it for the original cover price so oh, nice. that was a win and then from him, I bought a couple other 80s graphic novels. I bought Night and the Enemy by Harlan oh, Ellison, okay. Ken Stacy, which is an adaptation of a whole series of Harlan Ellison stories that Comico or Kamiko put out in like 86 or something. These are all anthologies, anthologized and epic illustrated and then recollected now. I know it's sound like an old man. Uh, and then the other one I got was Silver Heels. Which oh, has cool. gorgeous art by uh, Scott Hampton. I should show that off because it is just really mm -hmm. pretty. That's from Eclipse. This was put out by Eclipse Books. Yeah. Oh, cool. It's also mid '80s. Oh yeah, yeah. But look, it's got this really nice kind of almost Frazetta style to it, mm -hmm. but definitely his own take on things. It, yeah, it's beautiful. I have some issues, like three issues that Eclipse put out. And uh, Jaime Hernandez does the covers for them. Yeah, and backups too. Oh, there's really? Some, yeah, there's some, oh. there's like three issues that have rare Jaime backups in them. He talks about that in the Eclipse Comics Companion, where he started another series because he thought it would help him drum up attention to Love and Rockets. And then he abandoned it when Silver Heels went under. Oh. They only published three or four issues of it. Hmm. What else? One more thing. You oh. want, yeah, one more thing you want to show off, Amir? I only have a couple of things. I did not read these, but they're just kind of interesting to get. Um, uh, I got this comic called uh, Planet of Vampires. Oh, yeah. Atlas Comics. Purely have you read it yet? I've not read it. I tried reading it. Too. <laughs> I will try reading it. Maybe I'll report to you on offline. Okay. It's written by Larry Hammer and drawn by pat broderick um so i'm looking for i think i don't think that's uh it must oh yeah pat oh neil adams inked the cover so oh yeah uh, well, broderick worked for adams studio for a while yeah so that's that the other one nothing special i just a think it's great what's that that's a fun little find yeah, the other one is uh, I found this epic collection at the library for super cheap press, two bucks. Oh, and I'm kind of excited to read about it. Read it. Uh, I read the first issue drawn by um, a guy named John Estes. Peter David um, wrote it. Wrote the first. Oh yeah, it's got that tales to astonish thing, and then that look that looks like it's the ones about the. Um, it's all painted and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's like an Alex Ross kind of like, you know, poor man's Alex Ross. But the thing that I really like this issue for, it has a couple of my favorite artists in their early incarnations. One is um, uh, Gary Frank uh, when he drew the Hulk. And I'm looking forward to it. And then Liam Sharp. So I'm looking oh, forward yeah. to both of them. Like Liam Sharp's crazy art. Yeah, that's right. 
So I'm looking forward to reading, uh, looking at those arts. So that's probably, and it's two bucks. So thank you. It's a super solid run. Yeah, yeah. It's a good There's run. There's a reason why David kept that book for 10 years. It's like one of the best, like, even keel kind of runs you'll ever run into. Okay, I'll I'll do my last one then. Did you pick up the comics for Ukraine? No, collection? I want to though. Yeah. So I opened this up. I had forgotten I ordered this, and I flip. Okay, really nice end papers, and then Whoa! signature page. Wow, nice. I can read about half of them. Like I know I've got uh, Matt Wagner and. Uh, Sergio Aragonis, obviously. Uh, there's Howard Chaikin. So a few people I recognize, people I don't. Stan Sakai. It's an interesting little anthology. It's got a Astro City story, mm. and it's got an American flag story, and a Star Slammer story, and Scary Godmother. Wow. Uh, Grendel, the Grendel, a new Grendel story by Matt Wagner, mm -hmm. all for uh, Ukrainian release. So um, there's the there's a page from the American flag story. That's great. So yeah, I mean, oh God, that's why I want to hold this for last as my like my PSA to say, you know, pick up this book. The money will go to Ukraine. Nice Billy Tucci story of uh, the Rocketeer. Where can where can you buy this from? Uh, com I think it's just comics for Ukraine dot com. If you Google oh, right okay. now. Oh, so you don't have to be do the their Kickstarter. It was not a Kickstarter. Yeah. It's um it the if you just Google comics for Ukraine, mm -hmm. uh, it'll pull it up for you. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah, comics for Ukraine sunflower seeds. And there's um yeah, oh I got the expensive edition signed by 12 plus creators. Nice. Um, and all the money goes to Ukrainian relief. So um, you're really worth supporting if you have a few extra dollars to throw their way. Cool. Awesome. That's a great capper to our conversation today. Samir's so fun doing something a little different. That was a lot of fun. Thank you, Jason. I really enjoyed it.